tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. We start the man-animal revolt. Join us as we battle the cyclos to save Earth and the future of all humanity. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hobson Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Rat Brains, it is Travolta Month. And what other way could we possibly start such an occasion than with Battlefield Earth? Travolta's passion project and ode to the founder of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. So before we get started, along with me are Captain Cash. Hey, everybody. And Chumpzilla. Howdy, folks. First and foremost, uh, we're, we're happy to be back. Been a few weeks, but that's okay. And it's really exciting to come back and cover such a tremendously terrible, terrible movie. Uh, before we do cover it, though, points of order, you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. You can find Captain Cash where? At C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. Uh, what are we drinking tonight, Captain Cash? Uh, most pressingly, tonight we are drinking Trogue's the Mad Elf. It is a Christmas beer, ale brewed with honey and cherries, and most importantly, is 11% ABV. We need the booze for this one. So, and I also, just as a side note, I have had this before and I did not care for it then. Uh, we're going to see if that remains the same, because that was definitely the case with this fucking movie. Yep, still not that great. It's uh, real boozy. So... We must acknowledge uh, Christmas doesn't actually exist. It's not a Scientologist holiday. And we've all converted for the purposes of this episode. So let's get into it. Battlefield Hail Earth. Zeno. <laughs> What'd you guys say? Hail Zenu. Yeah. Hail Zenu. Uh, Battlefield Earth, uh, as I mentioned, it's a passion project of Scientologist John Travolta. Uh, the desire to adapt it was fueled by L. Ron Hubbard himself, who sent the actor a signed copy of the book and expressed his wish that Travolta make a movie out of it in the vein of Star Wars. Now, if you watch this movie, you'll automatically assume that it's very tongue-in-cheek. That's not, I don't think, necessarily how they looked at it. Travolta, uh, prior to its release, described it as the Schindler's List of science fiction. Which is, perhaps, I don't think we saw the same movie there, Travolta. Which is the least self-aware. Thing. At the point at which you are comparing anything to Schindler's List, as soon as you use this is the Schindler's List of blank, you've done the wrong thing. That's yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a losing argument. So this was directed by Roger Christian, who's. Uh, involved in several high-profile projects. For example, second unit director on Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace. He was also an acclaimed production designer, won an Oscar for Star Wars, and was nominated for one for Alien, and then did just nothing after this. But 
to be fair, this was a career killer for a director. Obviously, he did other production stuff since he was involved in other Star Wars, but, I mean, as a director, this this is a death knell. That's how bad this is. Starring John Saturday Night Fever Travolta. Forrest, this is, my, this is one of my cash grabs, Whitaker. Barry Knockaround Guy Pepper. Kim Sons of Anarchy Coats. Michael, the Nazi from The Last Crusade, Burn. He's the Nazi that uh, is also sleeping with Elsa. Richard Kindergarten Crisp Tyson and some others. Did you notice the bad guy from Kindergarten Cop? No. Yeah, he was... Uh, Who was he? When they went out and John Travolta was shooting all the cows and doing his like trick shots, he was the guy that attacked yeah. him in like the fox hat. Oh, 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 yeah, the, the wild man. Yep, oh, Kindergarten no Crisp. So, no shit. Yeah. Battlefield Earth released May 10th, 2000. Tremendous flop. Uh, although not as big as initially reported, which we'll get to a little bit later. It cost $44 million, only made $29.7 worldwide. It's one of the worst reviewed films, not of only the 2000s, but ever. 3% on Rotten Tomatoes with 148 reviews. Uh, it averages a 9 out of 100 on Metacritic and given a D-plus on CinemaScore. I I got to take a little umbrage with that. Audiences who saw this, what were you thinking? Maybe there was a lot of Scientology crowd that went to see this that sort of boosted that up. This certainly deserved an F. I am, what is the opposite of proud, ashamed to admit that I saw this in theaters in 2000. Wait, wh- wait why? <laughs> wow. Alex, my buddy Alex convinced me it would be a great movie to go see. So we went and saw it and we left and we're like, that was kind of dumb. Anyway. You know, I feel like I learned something significant about you today, Captain Cash. To be fair, did any of us know Scientology was a thing in 2000? Really? I don't think I did. I mean, my, my Thetans were definitely acting up that day. That's all I know. Well, you've got a lot of uh, confessing to do. You you need to get cleared, bro. Yeah, you do. Listen, it was 2000. I was in, I was the easiest sci-fi lay ever. This presented like, like I saw Starship Troopers in theaters. I saw this in theaters. I was like, you know what? We'll we'll check it out. It just, it wasn't very good. Yeah, but we discussed Starship Troopers and that's a badass movie. And even yeah. though Starship Troopers is legitimately a good movie, yeah, may have been lost on us then. Like it was still worth seeing in theaters. This movie's inexplicably bad, and they did market it pretty heavily. To your defense, Captain Cash, like this, they tried to get this out that this was a big time John Travolta action movie, you know. So they made it seem cooler than it really was. And he was uh, not a good movie. He was. He was uh, bankable. Post Pulp Fiction, still riding the wave, Travolta. You can absolutely say that his his Oscar win for Pulp Fiction is what made this happen. Yeah, he was hard on the upswing. I mean, yeah. there was Pulp Fiction, there was Broken Arrow, there was Face Off. Like late '90s, John Travolta was fucking killing it. Yeah, and actually, that was one of the justifications for making this movie. Uh, you know, they went to the independent, you know, production company, but they were like, Hey, basically John uh, Travolta action picks bank money. They, they make like, you know, 150, 200 million bucks. Like we, yeah. it's, a, 
it, it's a it's a slam dunk. But they didn't realize what a giant steaming turd this was going to be. Yeah. Little did they know that when Travolta has hair growing out of the bottom of his chin, like literally the bottom, nowhere else but the bottom. It's like a neck. It's, yeah. It's like neck hair. It's like an exceedingly long neck beard, but just like two bits. Well, well, hold on. I feel like the creature design in this movie is probably one of the strong points. I See, would, I would here's disagree. the thing. I think that was one of the things I don't have a problem with. They looked interesting. It was done relatively well. The only issue I have is they were clearly on stilts, so they really couldn't move around all that well. They were Klingons minus the dignity. Just yeah. that's what it was. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I didn't like the hand uh, prosthesis. The, the prosthetic hands. Yeah, the yeah because, because they were clearly not functional. They were, they were just kind of like rubbery mitts. But... That was only in, like, you know, action. Just from a visual standpoint, looking at them, I thought, hey, those look like interesting alien characters. They're big. They're tall. It was okay. It didn't translate well on the screen, though, because they were obviously on stilts and the hands didn't work. Anyway. It's a memorable design. I can give you that. I would disagree. But what are your thoughts on the leather codpiece that extended all the way down to his crotch? And, and it was like he was wearing the world's largest cup. I'll just say this. It's more noticeable in the stills than it is in the movie. This is true. I, I didn't notice it in the movie, but when I saw the stills, I'm like, good Lord, that's a huge that's a huge leather jockstrap he's rocking. That is, that is someone compensating for something. I only noticed it when he talked to, to him about the smelting, and he's like, you smelted all this gold? It's like... Now you have seven days. It's like, so wait, you're not going to ask him where he smelted the gold? Yeah, and how they how they learned to smell? Did, we te- did you teach them to smell? Was that in his brain download? That is the most frustrating part of this film for me. So this is set a thousand years into the future after the cyclos have taken over Earth. And they insist that all the man animals, all the humans, are incapable of sentience yet they stand in the ruins of civilization constantly. And it's like, uh, you were aware that all this existed before. Ah! Yeah, well, and, and more importantly, they educated uh, Johnny Good Boy Tyler on oh, all boy. of human history, that including Cyclone. So they clearly had record or knowledge of the world that preceded their arrival somehow, but they, yeah, they don't clearly display that knowledge in, in, in the movie. The only answer here is everyone in this film, every character, is as dumb as they can possibly be. Like, there's a reason John Travolta's character, Turl, is on the relative backwater of Earth. It's because he's a giant fuck-up. He's, he's basically Donald Trump Jr. He really is. <laughs> That's pretty like, fair. I, He's like, I've, you know, I've had the best schooling, and I'm from the best bloodline, and they're like, yeah, but you He's had sexual improprietary <laughs> actions with uh, somebody's daughter, and you're banished here because you're a giant tool. Yeah, he's Fredo. <laughs> I'm a smart person. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So we're we going to talk about what, what this film's about? or Yeah, come on. Captain Cash, give us a plot breakdown. This movie's terrible. We can all agree on that. I just want to give you some samplings of what was written about it. 
at the time. New York Times, it may be a bit early to make such judgments, but Battlefield Earth may well turn out to be the worst movie of this century. They called it Planet Nine from Outer Space for a New Generation. British film critic Jonathan Ross said, everything about Battlefield Earth sucks. Everything. The -the over-the-top music, the unbelievable sets, the terrible dialogue, the hammy acting, the lousy special effects, the beginning, the middle, and especially the end. John Stort of The Daily Show, formerly, a cross between Star Wars and the smell of ass. The Washington (laughs) Post, a million monkeys with a million crayons would be hard-pressed would be hard-pressed in a million years to create anything as cretinous as Battlefield Earth. And the late, great Roger Ebert, who gave it a half-star, compared his screening to taking a bus trip with someone who who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not merely bad, it's unpleasant in a hostile way. I watched it in mounting gloom, realizing I was witnessing something historic. A film that for decades to come will be the punchline of jokes about bad movies. <laughs> now, all those qu- quotes, I think, sum up my feelings on the film. I think this is the worst movie we've done. I've said that before, and now I'm, I'm instituting a new rule. We are going to have the shit movie championship belt, and only in certain cases will we bring up the debate on whether a movie should challenge for that title belt. This movie is the inaugural holder of the belt. Yeah, that's fair. Everything about it is is a failure. I would I would argue that The Room is actually a worse movie, but The Room has charm to some degree. This movie has a little bit, but not enough to even like I've heard people describe this as a cult movie. I, no, no, there's not enough camp. It's not there's not enough, even a, a vague sense of irony in most of it to even fall into that category. It's it, it just, yeah, it's just bad. I mean, it, it, it's bad, bad. Yep. So to come to its defense in the slightest possible way, I don't think that The Room at any point had any sense of irony about itself. I think The Room is as well remembered as it is because it went full to the hill. And so did this movie. But this movie but, is just the pace is so slow and there's so many weird choices and it's just ugly to look at that it just it yeah. lacks the charm. John Travolta does a hell of a job though, I will say. Yeah, I was his I will performance say, at least. I, I will agree. He 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 is the high point. His hammy acting and all that. And I will I will say that I think that there's not an intentional sense of irony in the room, but there is a sense of irony in that movie. It's it, it is that it okay. is so bad because it wasn't a big budget Hollywood movie, and I think that's yeah. what helped with the charm. Whereas this, this was clearly be taken very seriously, and they were trying to make a hard sci-fi movie here. But good God, is it just bad? Like it's like it's like '90s sci-fi channel TV schlock bad. It really is. Have you watched the Dune series on sci-fi? That is much better than this. Uh, I, 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 would, I would even argue that the X Files had a better effects budget or at least appeared to have a better effects budget than this movie well i don't want to uh sell out some later points but this movie had a a pretty high budget uh you know for what you see on screen but a lot of that money was wasted money but before we get to that two things one travolta month in no way is meant to make fun of john travolta i actually love john travolta 
and I love his performance as terrible as it is in this movie because nobody hams it up quite like John Travolta aside from one other actor which I'll bring up in a moment uh, and two Brian Blessed wait not him let's get to the plot according to IMDB it's the year 3000 AD the earth is lost to the alien race of the Cyclos humanity is enslaved by these gold thirsty tyrants whom are unaware that their man animals are about to ignite the rebellion of a lifetime so my first observation of that is that L. Ron Hubbard wrote that awful description himself. Second, how would you guys describe this film in one sentence? We can start with you, Captain Cash. Oh, God. In one sentence? I, I think it's, it's a three-second exasperated sigh. <laughs> uh, the worst episode of Star Trek you can possibly imagine. I want to be clear, not, not TNG, not the new one, not Discovery, not original Star Trek from the 60s, the worst version of that, the movie. Oof. Chumzilla? Okay, well, in standard fashion, I'm going to deviate slightly from the format here, but hey, Rat Brain, do you love bad special effects? and fight editing that makes the MCU fights look refined? Do you love nine-foot aliens and more Dutch angles than you can count? (laughs) Well, then I've got the movie for you. Battlefield Earth. This movie has more Dutch angles than a Danish geometry book. It is insane. Watching this movie will make you feel dizzy. (laughs) It'll give your neck a little crick, because you got to tilt your head to make it up. I feel like when I watch this movie... I'm a confused dog. Every three seconds, my head's going, eh, eh, eh. Like I'm just, and that makes sense because it's hard as fuck to understand what is going on with this movie. I need another drink. It, it is, on top of that, it's edited very poorly. It's edited incredibly poorly. And I would describe it as such. If someone were to describe to me how bad this movie was, I would respond simply with a quote from John Travolta's character, Terrell. Your powers of observation are simply startling. (laughs) That's how bad (laughs) this is. Any idiot could tell you how bad this movie is. It is one laughable CGI scene after another. The stilts, the whole nine yards. Nothing looks good. But there is Travolta hamming it up. The CGI in this film is comparable to cutscenes on the PlayStation 1. Oh, that, that that's that. where we're uh, okay playstation 2 i'd say two, two. two i'd say playstation 2 do we want to do a light pro- plot reflection do we want to do a play a light plot reflection no i just okay. like to scream into the void for 30 seconds so yeah so hey captain cash i'll give you a break this time let's see if i can uh, uh nail this down uh from memory here um so it's the year 3000 uh an alien race uh the cyclos has conquered earth They've enslaved a part of the portion of the population. There's another part that is living free, but uh, in the thousand years of cyclone rule, they have lost their their knowledge and and are living uh, a very rudimentary uh, hunter-gatherer lifestyle uh, in the countryside. They, they believe that the gods have abandoned them, and that's why the demon uh, cyclos have been able to, to inhabit the earth and, and torment them. 
So they're just waiting for the gods to return to, to, to defeat the demons so they can get back to the prosperous times. Uh, our main protagonist that's not John Travolta doesn't believe this and thinks there's answers out there. And he goes out and is captured by the demons, uh, which are this, we learn are the Cyclos. He's brought to the prison camp where he meets other humans and uh, hilarity ensues. Uh, eventually, uh, our main protagonist, uh, Johnny Goodboy uh, Taylor, is educated via the uh, Cyclo education machine, learns all of human history and uh, education, math, science, uh, the arts. And then being educated and now speaking the Cyclo language, he's able to plot the downfall of uh, our uh, second protagonist, the bumbling uh, Tyrell, played by or Tyrell, played by John Travolta. Terrell. And Terrell. Terrell. Yeah, not Tyrell. Terrell. Uh, so he's able to take advantage of his uh, his ambitions uh, to basically sneak out and secure weapons and equipment under the guise of trying to gather gold for the behalf of the Cyclos, because their whole plotline really doesn't matter. And in the end, he comes back with a fleet of Harrier jets, defeats the Cyclos, and uses their teleportation technology to send a dirty bomb back to their planet because their atmosphere reacts uh, in a deadly fashion with radiation. So the dirty bomb goes off, neutron bomb, boom, uh, planet Cyclos destroyed, humans reclaimed Earth. Uh, Everybody claps, and it turns out that Johnny Goodboy Tyler is Albert Einstein. And and Johnny Goodboy Tyler's real name, Albert Einstein. Sing. Oh, okay. That washes over a lot of Travolta's sort of wheeling and dealing, which is the highlight slash the low light of the movie, and that's okay. But none of it matters. Yeah, none of it okay. matters. Yeah. Previously, previously, I had said that the cyclos are Klingons without the dignity. I think they're also, they're that, but they're the bastard love child of Ferengi and Klingons without the dignity. Because so much of their society is built on backstabbing everybody else. That's a huge part of, I mean, John Travolta's character, Turl, is clearly an antagonist, but we follow him so much, he's almost like a an anti-hero in some ways, maybe like well, I, I call him a protagonist because he definitely drives it. He has his own narrative in the movie. Yeah. It just happens that it happens that he loses in the end, but yeah. it's competing narratives until the humans top one. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like I, when we talk about movies, I try to like not insert what I know is reality onto them and try to let them be their own thing. It, like the rules for stuff, so long as the the movie follows its own rules, you kind of have to let it be. Like with Pacific Rim, it's giant robots punching giant monsters. That's the premise. That's what you're going with. It's okay that it doesn't make sense. This fucking movie wants me to believe that Harrier jets that sat fallow for a thousand years still fly. The fuel is still viable. It wants me to think that the cyclos who are gold obsessed, that's their whole reason for being on Earth, wouldn't mine any of the asteroids or any of the other places where gold is much more abundant than on Earth, and then didn't fucking check Fort Knox 
and still insist that while standing in the ruins of Denver, that humans are incapable of civilization. <laughs> Fucking radiation? Their, their atmosphere is, is explosive to radiation? Fucking all light is radiation. Do they not have a sun? If they don't have a sun, why do they have eyes? I'm going to have a fucking aneurysm. This movie makes well, no sense. Wait, no, hold on. And, and, and why do they call – I get that they're corporate culture somehow, but they call uh, – That's all just burst in my eye. Oh, fuck. They, they call it the home office. The home office? That's the most benign – Weird uh, description of like a home planet they've ever heard. Oh, well, wait till the home office hears about this. The home office, like what? Well, they're aliens. Why do they use? Why do they? Did, did Britain conquer Cyclo? Why, why do they? Why do they speak English? I, uh, I, no, they no. actually have their own translation language. convention is yeah. is in place. Yeah, yeah, but but home office. That's that's a very that's. I will allow for colloquialisms in the sense that it is a translation convention, and I appreciate the banality of the cyclos in general, that they are kind of giant fuck-ups. Well, yeah. But everything else just makes me so frustrated. The one thing we have to understand is this movie wasn't made for... A number of reasons. Scientology and its connections being one. Two, it's because L. Ron Hubbard was a shitty science fiction writer. And all the issues with this universe he created are because he was a shitty science fiction writer. And the whole reason he invented Dianetics is because he didn't sell books. And he didn't sell books until he invented his fake religion. And so the story goes. He was a fraudster. He tried to write science fiction. It was terrible. Nobody wanted to read it. He made up a fake religion. Somehow people got into it, but people are inclined to be of culty behavior. Blackmail. Yeah. And then his books got popular because they were read by the people who were into his culty behavior. Well, and he is on record saying that, like, hey, you know, the real trick is to create a religion. Yeah. Because that's where the money's at. So he literally said that. And then he did it. Yeah. Well, he understood he, it could be tax-free. He called his own shot. It could be tax-free, right? The government couldn't yeah. tax it. It was tax-exempt. And that was the key to making his fortune. There's a reason he lived offshore for the later years of his life, because he was under federal investigation, because he was a criminal. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, these are serious questions. Uh, first and foremost, now I understand that... People are into culty behavior. But if you read this book, and then you're like, oh, this guy came up with this thing, Dianetics. How on earth could you read this book and be like, this guy's smart enough to understand that much about the human mind? I just don't understand it. I, I think we're all old enough. Do you remember seeing the commercials on TV for Dianetics? I, I really don't. Vaguely. I don't. There, yeah. there was a volcano. Well, that's yeah, where. I mean, this, was, this was like this was like infomercial material in the, in the late '80s, early '90s. Listen, all I know is we're living in the darkest timeline. People will believe a lot of stupid things. Well, and, and, and to your point, Mr. Wizard, his 
the novel this movie's based on was very poorly received. This so back to your Schindler's List comment. This movie was you know this, excuse me the source material for this movie was not like some well-respected sci-fi novel from which was this the book was written in 1982. It was that's when it was published. So this wasn't like it had been sitting around for a while and, and it was like a, a cult classic or favorite anybody. This was a cruddy book written by L. Ron Hubbard, Hubbard that wasn't well-received. And, uh, yeah, I, we'll get into it later, but, I mean, there were some – I think there were pr- some pretty ulterior motives behind getting this movie made from the church's standpoint, you know, and, and John Travolta's standpoint. This was not a beloved piece of sci-fi that was brought to the big screen. That's what I'm trying to say. And for quite clear reasons, because it is nonsensically plotted and not even, there's not even a shred of like entertainment value in the story it's telling. It's just a stupid, stupid plot. It's literally Travolta arguing with his underling for 50 minutes of a movie about who's smarter than who and they're both dumb shits. (laughs) I'm convinced you can make a movie out of anything. This was the first Beavis and Uh, Butthead movie. Except Beavis and Butthead are Travolta and Forrest Whitaker's character. (laughs) At no point, like, Travolta has been in literally what many movies by this point like he's been active since the 70s oh he's got to be in, oh close to 100 yeah. I, did no one look at him and go john what the fuck are we doing here what what are we doing here no, and like no, we haven't even no. talked about like we we talked about the dutch angles but we haven't talked about just the incredible crappy art of film forget the angles what about the ovens Wait, is that a Schindler's just list joke? No, that's a Dutch oven joke. Dutch, oh, awful oh. Asshole. Dutch oven. <laughs> like, Dutch, oh my god. Like, so the Dutch angles are frustrating, but then there's also the sound design is terrible. Every yes, scene yes. is color graded. Like, there are scenes where it is violently blue and violently yellow and violently purple, and yeah. there doesn't seem to be any reason for it. It, like, this is a weird, like, it doesn't work for 2000, but it's like they put an Instagram filter on every scene to make it one color or another, and there's no sense in between why they're that color. And it, okay. It, they're like, uh, oh, so, this uh, scene's uh, Melbourne. This one's reintegration arrow. This scene's going to have a cat face. The scene yeah. transitions themselves are very Star Wars, where it's like these weird different wipes. Wipes. It is like no, a, it's the same that, wipe. It's center out wipe every time. Center out wipe every time. So why? Okay, I, I, I got pop quiz hot shots. I think the CGI at the end of the movie was pretty bad with the Harrier jets. But there is one scene in this movie that I feel like the CGI was egregiously bad and gratuitous. Can you guess what it is? When he shot the cow's leg off? No. Oh, fuck, that's another thing. Those are heel and coo. Those those fucking animals are only in Scotland. They're not in North America. Why the fuck are they in North America? They're in Colorado. Okay, okay, okay. Adjust your glasses, there, nerd. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not it. There's one scene in this movie 
the CGI was it's subtle. It's a small scene, but I was like, "Good lord, that is horrible!" It, it was terrifying. It, the tongue, his uh, assistant, the weird, gratuitous, like it, again. This is one of my favorite parts about this movie because honestly, when I watched it, I assumed the source material was from the fifties or sixties because I felt like there was a casual degree of sexism and racism in this that I felt like would have been right in line with like Lovecraft and stuff from that period where that was sort of normal, acceptable in sci-fi. So I was shocked when I actually dug it up and found out this movie was published in 82 because the casual, the racism is sort of like, maybe not, 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 maybe that's just me picking up on it. Cause I feel like uh force Whitaker's character kind of got shat on through the entire movie, but intentional or not doesn't matter but the casual sexism was fantastic because there's the whole thing about the the human women thing and then the way they talk about the women the human women when when the humans are together and then the way the cyclos treat their women they were basically treated like breeding stock across the board and so i thought that was interesting even though you know one one race was portrayed as being more noble than the other they both treated women like crap also, let the record show that long tongue person, Kelly Preston. Oh yeah, it was Kelly what? Preston, John Travolta's wife. Yeah. Oh, that, that was the tongue lady. Yeah. Yeah. There's only, uncredited, right? Yeah. Uncredited. There's only two women in this whole movie, though, right? It's her and Barry Pepper's lady friend. There's a couple. Of, no, there's a couple of psycho skanks. Um, in some of the scenes. Well, Forrest that, uh, Whitaker's character with, has five wives. That guy, the guy with the, the guy with the big turkey Yeah, neck. okay. He's got he's got a couple of. Con- but one of them is Kelly Preston. But, but, I thought. but again, but Forrest Whitaker's character is like I own several wives. Yeah, five. Whatever. He has multiple wives, and he's going to pay them off to get new ones, pretty ones this time. His character's name was Joseph Smith. <laughs> dum 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 dum. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, too uh, much South Park. Here's my big question. Because I don't want to get into some interesting things I found out about this movie. Outside of Cruz and Travolta, who's the most famous Scientologist? Now I've compiled a list. One of these is going to break your heart. So you've got Doug, you've got Dougie Fresh, Elizabeth Moss, which I find slightly ironic considering she's on uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. She's the main character of The Handmaid's yeah. Tale. She's of Fred. Giovanni Ribisi, Jenna Elfman. Nancy Cartwright, yep, the voice of Bart Simpson is a Scientologist. Juliette Lewis, Danny Masterson, Beck, Devil's Haircut, and here's the one that broke my heart, Michael Pena. No! Yeah, Ant-Man's buddy. The best part of the Ant-Man's movie? Oh, no. I didn't know that. So so the Beck one kind of broke my heart a bit. Yeah, that one sucks too. He comes by honest though, his mom was a Scientologist. Well, yeah. So he is a family thing. So here's my favorite fun fact. Do you know that one of our old buddies from school, his cousin, is a former Scientologist and extremely famous? I did not. Oh, yeah. I'll give you a hint. It I know was Wayne. It yep, I know who it is. Captain Cash? I mean, what what is Wayne's cousin? She... Wayne's from Toledo. She once drove a man to jump on a couch, pointing his fingers in the air, screaming, I'm in love. Wait, what? Yeah. Wayne, his cousin, 
is Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah she used to come to. Huh. He, he said she used to come to family reunions until until like Dawson's Creek really took off, and then she stopped coming back to Ohio. I can't blame her. Oh, yeah. I'll never go back I, to. Ohio. I've been to Toledo. It's not that great. Yeah. Now, which brings us back to Dawson's Creek, Chubzilla's favorite show. Only because Captain Cash looks like James Vanderbeek. Hey there. Only if you squint. My second question. I'm, I'm squinting now. This one's more fun. Because it really did break my heart when I found out Michael Pena was a Scientologist. I already knew about Beck, which sucked itself. But yeah. Tra- Travolta, who I would rank as perhaps the mo- the best unintentionally bad actor who's actually a good actor 50% of the time, he and Nicolas Cage, who, if you watch Face Off, they're really going at it for like who can be most over the top. Is this him at his most hammy, like relishing the shit dialogue? Because he's had some roles. I mean, even as Howard Saint, he's really getting into it. He's really chewing some scenery. But for me, this is it. This is this is a sight to behold. Okay, again, I will say this. One of the only small. And, and by no means completely redeeming factors of this movie is that you can clearly see how much fun John Travolta is having. That's really he, it, yeah. You can you can tell he's enjoying it and he's playing it up. It's the total lack of self-awareness that makes it enjoyable. But, but it's so bad, that's, that's the other that's the downside of it is there's no charm to it. it it's close. It's like the uncanny valley of camp. It's yeah. like, I, I want to like this more, but it, it's just so bad I can't. You just can't quite enjoy it. But yeah, you could tell he is having a blast with the terrible dialogue and the the cheesy, uh, you know, action sequences. He's enjoying it. Like that whole scene where he does the sharpshooting thing, he does it behind his back, he's all dainty. Oh, like, I know. Oh, it's, my it's God. Almost like the, it's, it's, like, it's almost like it's a different movie for a second. Like, that could have been funny in a different movie. Finished top of his class and, as a marksman. I actually think Forrest Whitaker was having a lot of fun, too. Of, like, the two people who were having fun, it was only them. Maybe the guy yeah, with I, 16 chins. He might have been having fun, too. I, I, feel like, yeah. I, I feel like the other guy that got to dress down Travolta was also having a good time. Yeah. I mean, look... Your only options that get even close to this are, to your point, Howard Saint, and then his turn in Broken Arrow. Oh, no. Which, uh, definitely Face Off. When he's Nicolas Cage in Face Off, he's a 15 on a scale of 1 to 10. And this is after Nicolas Cage was like a 16 on a scale of 1 to 10. When he becomes Caster Troy, it is sublime. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, look. I mean, look. I, I I will put Cage above Travolta any day of the week. I think Cage is a is a weird dude who makes weird choices, but they're almost always memorable. They're they're weird, but you you fucking remember who played Ghost Rider? Fucking Nick Cage, and man, that was a weird fucking thing to behold. Was it good? No, absolutely not. Fucking Drive Angry, where he basically did the same thing but with a car. Yeah. Travolta in the last. 10 years. What what do you got? Last 10 years have been rough. 
right? Yeah. But I mean, and it's good. not like Nick Cage has been knocking it out of the park for the last ten years. No, but, but at least at very he was least in I can like, go. He was in Spider Verse. Yeah, Spider Verse. The National Treasure movies. He's been in There's good been movies, stuff. just not a lot. Whereas Travolta's really hit the skids, which sucks because, yeah. as I said, I love Travolta. Yeah, well, I'll say this. Travolta's still a big star. He's a name. Yeah. He was. It's fading. But you look at Travolta's career, he's basically got, what, Saturday Night Fever and uh, Pulp Fiction? And Grease, that's like, come on. Oh, Grease. Grease. Phenomenon. Yeah, sorry. Grease. Michael. Phenomenon was terrible. Michael. Swordfish. Uh, Swordfish. But yeah, but... but Face Off. Face off. Those, are, those are good, but you, you, but but my point now. my point is though when you go to Cage, look who's he's talking. He's got Reese here, Jonah. Yeah, oh shit! Go. Look who's talking. My but bad. That's, and, that, and that's with what? That's with what? Uh, Christy Allen. Christy Allen. She's also a Scientologist. Really? Christy Allen. Yeah. yeah. But no, but but you go. Nicholas Cage has got Raising Arizona and Leaving Las Vegas. Like I, I feel like he's had those. Those the are two, rock. Like, the rock, that the rock is pretty good. Hey, and Con Air is as good Con, as yeah, fucking Con Air. You know, and as, as far as bad mid aughts action type movies, but I, I feel like Con, Con feel Air like, is most certainly late nineties, sir. Is it, oh, sorry, yeah, late nineties. I was going yeah. to give it. I was going to give it early aughts. I, I don't. I'm bad with time. I'm old. I don't know, but I mean, together. think about Nick Cage, The Rock, Con Air, Face Off. Those are three in a row. Three in a row, dude. Well, he also won that was, Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas. Then he did Waking the Dead, 8mm Snake Eyes. 8mm is not great, but people like it. Uh, it's all right. The Match Weatherman. Matchstick Man. He's, he's like an adaptation. Let us not forget Wicker Man, not the bees. Not the bees. Not the bees. But, but my point is, I think I think as far as like you know, getting to the pinnacle of acting, Nick Cage got a little bit closer than Travolta. Not a lot, but a little bit. No, a lot bit, because he was the best leading actor in a movie, and he was he was a legit leading man that won a decade. He won a decade, which is yeah. very difficult to do. He won a decade in a decade that Tom Cruise existed. Like, he basically won the 90s. He won Best Actor. He had three of the biggest movies of the 90s. He won. And then he became a joke to people, and the internet kind of killed him. Nicholas well, Cage is a good but, actor. Travolta's a good no, actor, I, too. Yeah, they're both good actors. I, I actually think that they both had their, their faults. Uh, you know, uh, Cage's spending habits got the best of him. And I think Travolta's parlance for uh, you know massage uh, uh, providers got got him in the end. All right, we're off. Here's my thing: <laughs> Nick Cage chose to spend his money on castles and comic books. Nick Cage spending his money like ten-year-old Nick Cage would spend his money. I am totally fine with. I stole that line from Movie Bob. I don't care. That's a, he, yeah, he does a great show. You should watch that. We are we're way off topic. I want to get back to some of the interesting things about this movie. Then I want to get to our Scientology quiz. So here's some things I found. We already talked about how the Cyclos wore stilts. It's very obvious, and it doesn't look comfortable. Their shoes are laughably large. 
Battlefield Earth's cinematographer Giles Nutkins, who previously landed services to such films as Electric Moon, Fire in the Keep, The Aspidistra Flying, he shot almost every sequence in this film at the camera angle of 45 degrees. Why? Dutch angle. I have zero idea. I want you guys to elaborate on what the Dutch angle is and why they did it and why it didn't work. Depending on how familiar you are with, with film or not, typically speaking, you point the camera straight on and it's, it's like you would take a picture or like you have a conversation with someone via FaceTime or whatever. You're looking right at the person. A Dutch angle tilts the camera 45 degrees so everyone is at a weird slant. Um, usually, or let me rephrase, smart directors or directors who know what they're doing know that when you do that, it's disorienting and gives sort of a dreamlike quality and they'll use it to invoke feelings of being off kilter because the picture is off kilter. It makes you feel kind of weird. This movie is like 90% that, which is really disorienting. Uh, incredibly, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it happens a lot in the first Thor movie too, for no weird reason. A lot, actually. But yeah. Here we are. Yeah. About it. It's a lot and of slow mo in this movie too, inexplicably. Yeah, yeah, so, that's frustrating. I think you mentioned this earlier too, Captain Cash. A lot of the color filters. Yeah, um, like there, there are violent color filters on this thing, which I can only guess they did to try to hide how cheap everything looks. So if they what? wash it one color or another... And I have a point about that. Why did it look so cheap? According to Nutkins, he uh, worked on a movie called... Uh, on Depa Mato's film Earth, which was a $2.4 million Canadian film. He said they used twice as many lights as they did shooting Battlefield Earth. So they skimmed. Yeah. So where did all that money go? He said, my kit was twice the size because of the budget... Battlefield Earth had the smallest lighting budget of any film ever. And he said a lot of that movie went above the line, meaning it went to paying certain people, a.k.a. John Travolta, who apparently made 12 of like the $44 million of this movie. A couple other actors mixed in. Half the budget was going to actors, which is far too much for a movie of this scope. So if you're wasting all of your money above the line you're skimping in all these other areas. So that's why the CGI looks like shit. The lighting is all wonky. The angles are all silly. They were trying to go for an artistic uh, feel here. They wanted to look like a comic book. They wanted to have that, that comic framing of the shots. So that's why they relied heavily on the Dutch angle because they thought it was more dramatic and looked more comic booky. And I also believe that a combination of that, that desire to go for a stylized look and the lack of the traditional lighting and budget, they decided to color wash everything. But there are several scenes in this movie, Mr. Wizard, that I agree are extremely dark and difficult to see. Yep. And I thought maybe I was just watching a bad transfer in the movie. I watched this in um, HD. And for example, when the Cyclos first kidnap him and they're in the department store, it's so muddled. And a lot of it is like they do the they do close, crop, the close crops where it's just the fuzzy hand of the cyclo shooting the gun, which just infuriates me. And I understood it in that moment because they're trying to hide who, who is after them to create an air of mystery. 
But in the last battle scene, there's actually one really very well shot sequence where Barry Pepper's running and all this shit is exploding around him. But then it constantly cuts back just to this fuzzy hand shooting this stupid double-sided gun. And it just looks like crap. And then every time they show the cyclos, it's these guys walking in stilts as slowly as possible, all in the same formation. It's it's troubling, to say the least. And, and to your point, there's a lot of close crop shots and weird edits and a lot of slow-mo. And the sound editing in the movie is terrible, too. It sounds awful. The guns change sounds. Like, they just totally change sounds. They go from sounding one way to sounding like a shotgun. Or like a regular gun halfway through the movie. And then at the end of the movie, the, the cyclos are just using regular, like, human-style guns. Like, all the sound mixing is totally different. Uh, It's bizarre, but here's something very interesting, right? The budget was very tight. Now, when I originally started doing research for this movie, I was like, well, that's weird. Because I thought the movie cost $75 Turns out that wasn't true. It was the $44 franchise picture who was the only company who would who would make this movie, who was the small independent thing. Turned out they falsely inflated the budget to try and get more money on the back end. They were sued for fraud by the investor, Entertainment, and they had to pay $121.7 million in damages and went bankrupt because they fudged the budget. They deserved it. Yes. So... There's a lot of like parallels you could draw to the way this movie was made and Scientology itself. And they're, <laughs> they're just right out there on the surface. Writer J.D. Shapiro, originally brought in to write the script, uh, when he refused to implement various changes requested by Travolta himself, they brought in this guy, Corey Mandel. Uh, obviously, that didn't work. Battlefield Earth cleaned up at the Razzies, won every award it was nominated for, Shapiro published an apology in the New York Post, quote, My screenplay was darker, grittier, and had a very compelling story with rich characters. What my screenplay didn't have was slow motion at every turn, Dutch tilts, campy dialogue, aliens in kiss boots, and everyone wearing Bob Marley wigs. <laughs> that was a great quote. Over under, how many Razzie Awards do you think this movie won? I'll set it at five. Over. It's over. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a, a seven. It won seven. Eleven. Ah. Uh, it was seven. I felt, and I felt like I was going for like the Oscar level of Razzies. At the time, it was the most Razzie awards ever won. I think uh, Showgirls was tied with it, seven, and it was later beaten by something else. Here's a good one. There was a very high-profile director that Travolta pitched to direct this movie. He's still active today. Still very high profile. Who do you think it was? They said no, obviously. Uh, I think I got this. Well, technically there are two, especially for 2000. It was Lucas or Tarantino. Uh, uh, Tarantino. It was Tarantino. Now, according to Christian, the actual director, Lucas and Tarantino loved this movie. He said, Travolta and I took it to the ranch and we showed it to George and 300 of the ILM people and everybody loved it. 
Tarantino came to the premiere, sat with me, and he hugged me afterwards and said, this is what I want to write. This is amazing stuff. I don't believe that it one bit. <laughs> I mean, That's how, a fucking lie. How could you believe that? All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got our true or false quiz about Scientology. We are back on Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by RevengeTheFans.com, and it is Travolta Month, and it's a very fun month. We're very excited. We weren't so excited to watch this movie, although it provided plenty of great material. And here's our second segment. Scientology is weird, but is it really that weird? These are all true or false questions. I hope you guys are ready. Are you a believer of any kind? Let me tell you now, we're about to take a hard right turn into a place you don't want to follow us. Yeah. Number one, Scientologists believe that humans are possessed by evil spirits called Thetans. The only way to relieve oneself of Thetans is through brainwashing sessions called auditing, of which there are eight levels. On the third level... A Scientologist is given secret materials written by L. Ron Hubbard. True or false? I True. Listen, I would like to tell you true, but as a level five, <laughs> that, is, uh, that is confidential information. It is true. And the materials given out at the third level of auditing state that the world began from planes. These planes flew to a prison planet, Earth, and dropped hydrogen bombs into volcanoes. The bombs created explosions and released the Thetans. Number two. This is very important. How do you know that? Who told you? I began auditing people, Captain Cash, when you were still learning how to write your name. Ah! This movie's awful. Uh, I, gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep I was born to conquer galaxies. God, this so I'm sorry. This is so bad. I might suddenly grow a third arm. number two David Miscavige who's the current head of the church created a place called the hole which is a Scientology prison of sorts true or false I I think it's where his wife's at right (laughs) it is true he's he's the guy with the missing wife his wife hasn't been seen for like a decade yeah the hole is a place where executive members, these are, uh, what did they call the home office, voluntarily went in order to play murderous <laughs> games of musical chairs, clean bathrooms with their tongues, and accept beatings from Miscavige himself. <laughs> Number three, the church employs private investigators to bully, intimidate, and dig up dirt on those who attempt to leave the church, and even those who separate themselves from it, true or false. Oh, yes. Big poor, true. Poor, poor gay Tom Cruise. True. It'd be all right. He, he could just be gay. No one would care. And uh, David Miscavige once blackmailed John Travolta when he wanted to leave. He had an entire team, these blackmailers, created specifically for slandering John Travolta. So. That's got to be true. probably true. Yeah. No, so that was part of it, yeah. Number four. No, oh, just, yeah, so, yeah. so to be clear, this is less a true or false, more of a we're, we're going to list the atrocities of the Church of Scientology. Uh, maybe. <laughs> it could be. 
All right. Scientology is terrible. Don't join that that religion. Yeah. Number four, according to official Scientology doctrine, reading and reacting to other people is key to being successful. Thus, they created the tone scale to take the mystery out of human behavior. It teaches Scientologists how to read people and provide the appropriate emotional response. True or false? I'm going to say true just because that seems to be where we're going. Yeah, I, I think that sounds right. It is true. The tone scale runs from a negative 40 to a 40. The higher on the scale you are, the better. A score of 40 is described as serenity of benignness. A 1.1 is considered covert hostility. Smiling on the outside while plotting inside. And describes someone who can't be trusted. If you don't believe in Scientology, you're a 1.1. By the way, Scientology is... Scientology is notoriously uh, discriminatory. So, or Paul Haggis, who wrote Crash, directed Crash, Oscar winner. He was a Scientologist, and when... Oscar winning Crash? Fuck you, Oscar winning Crash. And when Scientology endorsed Proposition 8 in California, which was against gay marriage, he urged them to speak out against it. They would not, because Scientology is very discriminatory. So that's when he left the church. There's a, actually, I'll post this on our social. The New Yorker did a very fascinating article about why he left and sort of the aftermath. What'd I you... thought Crash was Cronenberg. No, Paul had no, 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 no. Crash was the movie about racism that had actually nothing to do with institutional racism. Oh, what's, what's the David Spader movie about car crashes that Cronenberg did? No, that you're thinking of the Dave Matthews song "Crash Into Me." No, no, <laughs> no, that's not a Cronenberg movie. Uh, no, you you're right. Hang on, there is a 1996 film "Crash Into Me" with James Spader. Not oh, I was calling uh, David Spade, James Spader, whatever. I would like to see the David Spade version of "Crash" by David Cronenberg. <laughs> oh, I, so wait. So wait a minute. That, I would also the, I would wait. like to see the David Spade version of Age of Ultron. Uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm having a huge huge moment here. So you're telling me there was another movie named Crash about racism that wasn't about the weird people that get horny from car crashes? Yeah, no, less, crash less than ten years later. So wait, so Crash oh, okay. is essentially just Flatliners, but with car crashes. Okay, never it's mind. Cro- it's Cronenberg. It's Cronenberg. There's another crash. So David racism. Spade, car crashes, sex. This is James Spader. Yeah. James Spader. David Spade. Tommy Boy 2, yeah. crash. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. All right, number five. Humans evolved from clams. True or false? Uh, false. I, yeah, no. Humans didn't evolve from plants. Does no. Scientology believe humans yeah. evolved from plants? According plans? to Scientologist doctrine. Oh, no. It's going to be true. This, I mean, I, don't. Do you remember in eighth grade when your teacher made literally all of the true or false questions either all true or all false? And by like the 10th question of 20 questions, you started to question your own sanity? This is where we're at. So what do you think, uh, Chubzilla? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's true. It's true. 
They fucking bleed with clamps. Good news. Captain <sighs> Cash, you win, because Chimp Silhouette falls. In L. Ron Hubbard's book, Scientology, The History of Man, he goes into deep descriptions of incidents in our past lives. Because Thetans are eternal entities, they have past lives that have experienced traumas throughout time. As a result, people today have subconscious memories of past lives as everything including clams, atoms, cells, and the process of mitosis, early photosynthetic organisms and sloths, just to name a few. The clam, in particular, provides a great example because it has hinges in its mouth, which become the human jaw, according to L. Ron Hubbard. So. Now, now wait a minute. Sharing My entire memory. life is Dutch angle. Sharing memories with a clam does not infer direct evolutionary connections. But the jaw. The but, human but jaw. I think there's a similarity there. Uh, I get that, but sharing memories with our clams, having a past life is not evolution. That's all I'm saying. Chumzilla, by invoking your clam past, so let's say you were a, a fine New England clam chowder, it has a very real effect on who you are today. Did, did you just call me a snack? I feel like you just called me a snack. I might have. I feel like clam chowder would be a snack. I think I'm wrong. Well, I feel clams do okay. have brains, technically. It's a nervous system. I'm, I'm not 100% right there. But, yeah, they're, they're inver- but they have no backbone. They're invertebrate. You know what else they have? Well, they don't feel pain. So they're not our ancestors. They have hinged jaws, just like humans. So not a, They're not, not jaws. It's a... Connecting the dots. Let's just be clear. Let's just be clear. So bad at science. Yes. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard, very bad at science. So, here's what I hinted to you guys. Lovecraft, bad at science. Earlier on our on our text prior to this episode, I have a theory about this film, and it all relates to the blackmailing of John Travolta. I think. Now. Obviously, I have no corroborating evidence to support this. I think that John Travolta wanted to leave the church far before this movie ever got made. So by the time it did get made, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to make the dumbest movie of all time. So everybody knows how full of shit L. Ron Hubbard was. And then everybody will laugh at Scientology from here to eternity. Because if they're going to exploit me and they won't let me leave the church, you know what? I'm going to put on kiss boots. I'm going to wear a dick cod piece. I'm going to wear these. I'm going to have hair hanging from the bottom of my neck. I'm going to have fake rubber hands. Let's do it all. I'm going to be literally ham-fisted in both my costume and my acting. And by the way... I'm going to get paid $12 million. I'm going to get paid over a fourth of the budget of this sludge pile of shit just to expose this for what it is. And you know what? You don't want me to leave the church? Fine. But this will forever stain it. That's my, that's my conspiracy theory. I don't know, man. He, well, he chucked in so much of his own money to get this done, though. Yeah, and if that's the case, he failed miserably. Well, did the he, church though? is doing just fine. The church is doing fine, but this movie is an embarrassment. And the church is only doing fine because they are just horrific criminals. And because they still are not, you know, they're considered tax exempt. Yeah, well, let's go back to the source material. L. Ron Hubbard, 
wrote the book, published in 82. You know, the, the church. So I, I actually I'll take an, an, uh, a, a counterpoint to that, uh, Mr. Wizard. No, I, I think this was a concerted effort on Travolta's part to try to make some money for the church. And indirectly, because the proceeds for this movie and the book were held by the church, or the rights were, that is, and they they claimed at the time that, oh, but we're not going to make any money because we've transferred the rights for the film and the novel itself to uh, charity. And I'm making the air quotes here. Uh, the charities were Scientology radio. What's Internet that? Radio. Uh, so yeah. tell, telling everybody what you're doing is helpful. Yeah. Because radio, the charities... radio, I guess. Yeah, we're, it's, it's sort of like the radio. Uh, like the radio. charities that were uh, given the rights were backed by L. Ron Hubbard and the Church of Scientology themselves. Narconon and L. Ron Hubbard's educational charities were the people that were the beneficiaries of the rights. So the money that this movie made directly went to the church. I mean, they can say it went to charities. Uh, it went to charities the church founded. What's even funnier is that the uh, uh, the book itself was part of a organized campaign inside the church to, you know, buy as many copies as, as the members could to try to pump it up to the New York Times bestseller list. So even the source material was kind of like, you know, uh, astroturfed into popularity. The, probably the funniest quote I saw from this came from one of the, the people involved. And they were talking about Travolta on the press tour for the movie. And they were saying that he was going to bookstores and signing copies of the novel in promotion of the film. And they said, hey, I get what's going on here, but let's just be honest. Michael Caine is not going to Barnes and Noble and signing copies of the Cider House Rules in promotion of the movie. Like that shit just doesn't happen. There's clearly an ulterior motive here on Travolta's part to to try to pump up the book sales in addition to the movie because again, the church was on the take on both ends. Well, you really ruined my conspiracy theory that I cooked up at 2 p.m. today. <laughs> In hopes that we could salvage John Travolta's reputation. <laughs> to be fair, that's more time than everyone involved with this movie put in to actually filming this movie. So, good work. And, and I just want to be be honest with you, uh, Mr. Wizard. You're not the first person that I disappointed before 2 p.m. today. So, oh, good. God. Or, or after 2 p.m. for that matter. Okay, so, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick don't break. We come back, we're just going to do some uh, recommendations, and then uh, we're going to close up shop for the first installment of Travolta Month. We'll be right back. All right, we are back on Hops and Box Office Flops, and this is going to bring a conclusion to our first entry in Travolta Month. Uh, I'll go first. This is my recommendation. Uh, since this movie was... Essentially, Travolta's ode to L. Ron Hubbard, or, if you believe in my wild conspiracy theory, his elaborate takedown of the church, which we all know is not actually true, but wouldn't it be fun if it was? My recommendation is the documentary Going Clear, Scientology in the Prison of Belief, 
It's on HBO. It's an incredibly informative uh, look at this religion. You can't see me. I'm doing air quotes because this is not a real religion. This is a scam that... All religions are made up. Wait, okay. what? I don't want to offend all of our listeners, but none of us are religious. If you are, no offense, because some religions have more merit than this one. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, so I'll add to this, uh, Mr. Wizard, uh, just to be a little PC here. I think it's important for all the viewers and listeners to make choices that work for you. That's it. Yeah, no, I'll agree. Make, make choices that work for you and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. Continue. So I say in air quotes because Scientology is not a religion. It's very, I think this is a really important documentary to watch. Because you understand that the human cost manipulating people to this degree actually has. Not only for, well, mainly for the people that you are manipulating. Uh, Because Scientology, as an example, forces people to separate themselves from their loved ones. You disassociate yourself. It's disassociation because if they are a non-believer, they cannot be part of your life. That's a very harmful thing. This movie shows you a lot about that, but it also shows you a lot about how the church uh, not only manipulates people who decide to participate in these auditing sessions into revealing things about themselves they may not necessarily be comfortable with revealing to a total stranger. It then uses that information to blackmail them into either continuing to pay money to be a member of the church or into keeping quiet. So like the stuff about Travolta, like that is true and it's creepy stuff. It's very worth seeing. Uh, the stuff about the whole, about the, the C team, it's wild. Like the true or false we did is just like, it's not even the half of it. Y- you will not believe how bizarre some of the shit is. It's a fantastic documentary. That's my recommendation. Chumpzilla? I'm going to bring it down a notch in terms of the intensity and just say, um, I really enjoy <clears throat> watching episodes of Spider-Man and his amazing friends uh, with, with with my my children. Uh, soon to be on Disney+. Plus. Soon to be on Disney+. Plus. You, you can get Disney, if you free. want to throw us some money to plug that Disney+, Plus, I will do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah same here. Uh, sign me up. Uh, but it's on... It's on certain websites you can find for free right now. It's a cartoon that aired from 1981-ish to 83-ish, I think. And it's great because you've got Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar, who was created for the the cartoon because they couldn't get the rights for the Human Torch because they wanted to have a fire and ice angle. But it stars the Green Goblin, or or co-stars the Green Goblin, Doctor Doom, and the X-Men make a cameo. And it's it's a fantastic cartoon. I think it's a great relic of the uh, early 80s uh, you know, entertainment complex. You should check it out. I enjoy it thoroughly. And the uh, <clears throat> theme song is extremely catchy. And, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. I'm going to toss it out to uh, the Watchmen series on HBO. That thing's been bonkers so far. We're only three episodes in. Um, if you like Watchmen or are familiar with the comic at all, definitely jump in. If you're not, 
I'm not going to lie, you're going to be a bit behind, but still probably worth your time. Regina King is awesome. The always awesome Regina King. I just started it. Uh, we're going to talk about it offline in just a second, Captain Cash, but very, very hard agree. It is definitely worth your time. And the cast is phenomenal. So, I know we did the, the MCU, you know, top tens earlier, but yeah, I really enjoyed Watchmen. I, I'm one of the few people, I think, that probably prefers the movie ending over the comic ending. I realize there's a lot of comic purists, but I thought the ending that Snyder put on that movie was much more logical and made more sense than the comic itself. And I think that was I think that was probably his peak as a director based on his current body of work. I feel like that was it. He nailed that and it was awesome. Again, top five comic movie in my opinion. The zenith. The zenith of his directorial decisions. Here's what I will say. I agree. We're gonna bid you adieu in just a moment. Next week, from Paris with Love, a movie I da, 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 love. It's, it's a great Travolta piece. Did not do particularly well, but I really enjoy it. Captain Cash will not be on next week. I'll be in New York. Are you in New York? Let's hang out. I'm gonna put this out there now. We're adding a bonus week to Travolta month. The Punisher. Listen, I appreciate that simply because I am in the Punisher. I mean, Thomas Jane is in the Punisher, and I, I, I really appreciate the work he does. I'm just gonna say this seems a little fishy to me because I'm still not convinced you're separate people. We've never been in the same room together. That is true. Yes. So, next week from Paris with Love, Just Chumpsill and I. It's gonna be awesome. That movie fucking kicks ass. The following week. <laughs> It's the fanatic, the uh, Fred Durst chocolate oh, starfish. Yeah, the Fred Durst. Oh, wow. Chocolate starfish. Uh, uh, he did it all for the Nookie. Strange movie that got terribly reviewed. Then we're doing the Punisher, because Captain Cash Wait. needs three Travolta movies. Then Wait, Punisher didn't flop though. Does yes, that count? yes, it did. It no, made, it didn't. It made thirty million dollars. No, it flopped. No film. No film with Thomas Jane has ever flopped. Well, they maybe. remain. But, but was he in The Mist? Yes. He was in The Mist, and he was great in it. The ending of that movie was fantastically bleak. Okay. Goddamn. Okay. I know. Okay. Yeah. Guys, oh, we're, oh, shut oh. up. We're getting sidetracked. I don't give a fuck right now. <laughs> Thomas Jane! Yeah. So. Thomas Jane is my friend. Listen, TJ. So, TJ, if you're listening. We're going to get the. Uh, we're going to do the bonus episode of The Punisher. We're going to roll in. We're coming in hard in December. Punisher, Terminator, the new Terminator. Because I put it out there on Twitter, it breaks my heart, but it flopped. It's going to lose about 75 to $100 million. I'm going to see oh, it shit. next week. I'm psyched to see it. I love Arnold. When Arnold dies, it'll, it'll be a national day of mourning. After that... Per Chumpzilla's request, we'll do our top five comic book films. Not Marvel, not any comic book films. That's it. So could be DC, could be Image, could be... Well, not really Image, but could be any... Spawn! Yeah. All right? I mean, History of Violence, right? Top five comic book films. So... All right, Chumpzilla, before 
I do the outro. I think you have a very important fact people would like to know. I think we all, at this point, understand this movie did not do well. Battlefield Earth was kind of a flop. But our our poor uh, human protagonist in the movie, uh, played by Barry Pepper, Johnny Goodboy Tyler, this is not the biggest flop he's been in. He was also in 2017's Monster Trucks, (laughs) which uh, actually lost more money than this turd of a film. They actually took an official write-down of $120 million on that. Oh, my God. Yeah, Monster Trucks had a budget of $125 million, and uh, it only managed to score $64.5 million at the box office. So that's a straight-up cash loss of $60.5 million, which would in itself top, not corrected for inflation, top the losses on Battlefield Earth. But yeah, because of the marketing cost and all that, the total was 120 that the studio took on that. So poor, poor Barry Peppers. I have a lot Barry of questions Pepper. about how Monster Trucks got a $125 million budget. I'm going to leave them here for now. And <laughs> we're just going to bid you adieu with never underestimate what leverage can do. Rat brain. We'll see you next time.